Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. As of last week, we began looking at stress and this was important for a huge number of reasons, but mostly for the impact that uh, prolonged stress has on the body. Now, to be fair, we can't actually blame crazy COVID for all the prolonged stress. The truth is that on a whole, we've been living a degree of prolonged and chronic stress for probably a long time, simply due to the fact uh, that we have a very fast-paced life and we have very overscheduled, um, we'll have a very overscheduled world that we live in. We often hear this topic and conversation about kids. Are you overscheduling your kids? Don't overschedule your kids. But you know, in reality, if you look at that, if you're overscheduling your kids, well, then you're the one going with them. So we're all overscheduled. And often children will just do what we do with them. So it's up to the adult to take a step back. Okay. And what we started to look at was the mind-body connection. And with within that, we looked at what negative emotions actually do to the body when we don't recognize what's happening and we don't do anything to change it. So tonight's topic follows on from that by looking at the symptoms of stress. Now, some of this you may know, but what I thought about here and mentioned last week is that when people are stressed, the things we once knew um, and took for granted are either clouded and forgotten because of what stress does to the brain and body or these messages have become so overcomplicated that we need to simplify them to understand them. So tonight, I'm hoping to achieve at least one of those for you. I'm going to start with a really basic statement. What is stress? You may be surprised how many people don't ask that question thinking it's a silly question. But let me tell you, in my world, there are no silly questions. And in fact, there is actually no medical definition for stress. We just assume there is. And that we must have, and, be, and with that, we think we must have heard of it. And so we feel silly asking the question outright, well, what exactly is stress? And this actually proves my point in a way, because we've so overcomplicated information that we may have lost the message. To be honest, there is no new information. It's simply rehashed and renamed. So for the huge group of people out there thinking that they need to trademark content, it really is a myth. Unless you've created or made up something so new that nobody has ever heard or seen of it before, then the simple reality is is that we've seen and heard it before. We just do it differently or it's just been marketed differently. Anyhow, back to stress. We all know what it's like to feel stressed, but it's not easy to pin down exactly what stress means. And that's most often because stress is different for everybody. It comes out differently. It presents itself differently. It has different circumstances. And one, circumstances, uh, one circumstance that might make you stressed 
isn't going to make someone else stressed at all. And so that's probably the biggest part of it. It is so different for everyone. But when we say things like, this is stressful or I'm stressed, we are often talking about two things, situations or events that put pressure on us. So for example, times where we have lots to do and lots to think about um, and we don't have much control over what happens or we are feeling stressed about our reaction to being placed under stress. So that's the feelings we get when we have demands placed on us that we find difficult to cope with. Now, because there's no medical definition of stress and healthcare professionals often disagree over whether stress is the cause of problems or the result of them, this can make it difficult for you to work out what causes your feelings of stress or how to deal with them. And that in itself can cause bloody stress, let's be honest. What we do agree on is that whatever your personal definition of stress is, it's very likely that you can learn to manage your stress better by, one, managing the external pressure. So stressful situations don't seem to happen to you quite so often, or, you develop emotional resilience. So you're better at coping with tough situations when they do happen and you don't feel so stressed. All right, now this begs the question, is stress a mental health problem? Being under pressure is a normal part of life. My topics have worked with elements of stress, even being able to help you in ways that it helps you take action. You can feel more energized and you can get results from being under stress. But if you often become overwhelmed by stress, these feelings could start to become a problem for you. So back to the question, is stress a mental health problem? Well, stress isn't a psychiatric diagnosis, but it's closely linked to your mental health in two important ways. Stress can cause mental health problems and make existing problems worse. For example, if you struggle to manage feelings of stress, you might develop a mental health problem like anxiety or depression, and this is where I come in. The other one, mental health problems can cause stress. So you might find coping with day-to-day -day symptoms of a mental health problem as well as potentially needing to manage medication or healthcare or appointments um, or treatments, and they can become extra sources of stress. So it can be a really negative self-perpetuating loop, and it can start to feel like a vicious circle, and it might be hard to see where stress ends and where your mental health problem begins. And I often say to people, I deal with mental health well-being. When you master this, you can avoid developing mental health problems as a result of stress because you put in place elements around your life, sort of like protective factors, to help mitigate stressful circumstances. And that might be simply managing time, for example. Time management can cause huge amounts of stress. But you put in some habits to help you focus on time management, you're going to minimise more stressful events happening to you simply because you are controlling elements of your time better. When we do that, we negate this extra stress causing mental health problems. So I hope that's clear for you. 
because they can be linked, but one doesn't necessarily cause the other, but then they can. It's all very confusing at times. Now, you might find that your first clues about being stressed are physical signs, such as tiredness, headaches, or upset stomachs. And these are the, you know, the telltale signs of um, anxiety. And what's, I think, interesting a lot of the time is that you will often notice these symptoms in your children or in other people, but you will often ignore them or um, it's not even ignore or justify. You, we just make, We just go, oh, it's just a headache. It'll be all right. Or I'm just tired. I didn't sleep very well. It, it'll be fine the next day. And we seem to dismiss them much easier in ourselves than we do in other people and especially in our children. But what you notice in your kids is pretty much the same. And we all know the kid that has the upset stomach when they start to get stressed. The thing is, is that there could be a number of reasons for this. And when we feel stressed, it's often we often find it hard to sleep or eat well. And poor diet and lack of sleep can both affect our physical health. And this, in turn, makes us feel more stressed emotionally. So as we discussed last week, when we feel anxious, our bodies release hormones called cortisol and adrenaline, which is the body's automatic way of preparing to respond to a threat, which we call the fight, flight or freeze response. So producing high levels of these um, high levels of those hormones can actually make you feel physically unwell, because the whole combination of the gut-brain connection, some of the hormones that are required by the brain are actually produced in the gut, and vice versa. Some of them are produced in the brain, and they travel to the gut, and they cause all sorts of upsets and upset tummies. So it can make you feel unwell. When we, we all experience stress differently and in different situations, which is what I alluded to at the beginning. So sometimes you might be able to tell right away when you're feeling under stress, but other times you might keep going without recognising the signs and this is likely what is happening to some of us right now in this situation. If you are in Victoria, then it is probable that you know you are under stress. But here in WA, we appear to be living life as normal, but we are far from normal. And so we may not realise the hormone release and the level of stress we are under. The biggest giveaway sign of any stress are statements like this. And this is what generally I hear in my office. My head feels tight and all my thoughts are buzzing around in different directions and I can't catch them. That's a bit of a telltale. It's got nothing to do with Feelings, although I can almost guarantee that before that starts to happen, you have had the other feelings that you've probably dismissed. Another one that I actually get, it feels like everything's closing in on me and I can't breathe and I'm running out of time. The same thing, another thought, and it gives the illusion of feeling trapped, but often it's the feelings of illness that can Feel like it is closing in on you and it's the body's way of letting us know that something's not right we just have stopped listening to it now because I want to give you a simplified version of stress often what you hear about the physical symptoms well you often hear about the physical symptoms but you know what the physical is often the last thing that you notice it's probably one of the first things that you will feel 
but you dismiss it. So it's one of the last things you notice. And I want to give you a complete look at things you might feel, think, and act out that can give you an indication of your stress levels. So I'm going to give you a bit of a list. All right. You may feel irritable, aggressive, impatient, or wound up. Stress, right? None of those are feel the physical symptoms, but these are the things that people often come into me. They are feeling overburdened, which is overwhelmed. They're anxious, nervous, or afraid, which you, you most people will understand. But one of the things, like I mentioned, is that your thoughts will be racing and you can't switch off. You will find maybe that you are unable to enjoy yourself. You would say things like, I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling down. You can lose your interest in the things that you've always loved. So basically become a little bit uninterested in your life. You feel like you've lost your sense of humor. Nothing is fun anymore. And as a result of that, we find that people at that point start to get this sense of dread where they feel that they are, you know, they, they're waiting for the shoe to drop. They become worried about their health and they start to feel neglected or lonely. Okay, now in terms of behavior, what you may start to do or you may start to notice in other people is that you find it hard to make decisions. It becomes, oh, I just don't know. I can't think I'll deal with it later. But we, later never comes. The problem with that is it triggers off the next series of events, which is that you constantly worry. You start to constantly worry about the things that you haven't done or that, you, and then it just gets too hard. So you begin to avoid situations that are troubling you. We get people who are snapping at people. If you're finding yourself snapping, you've got to look at where am I holding my stress? Where is the stress in my life? A couple of the telltales, two big telltales, biting nails and skin picking. We get a lot of people picking skin and they think, oh yeah, it's just a little cut or whatever, but they can't stop. It's becoming compulsive. You will find that you may be able to not concentrate, that you are eating too much or too little. You will, if you've got coping mechanisms, they pop up. You could be smoking or drinking alcohol more than usual. All right, so more than usual is the problem. Alcohol, well, I'm not going to go smoking is great, but it's, you know, I, I'm not here to make judgments on your behaviors. It's just if it becomes a problem. For me, it works until it doesn't, okay? So if you are drinking more than usual or smoking more than usual or doing any of those behaviors more than usual, it can be a sign of stress. The other one that we see, and if we see this in kids all the time, fidgety. The words here that I've got in front of me are restless. But seriously, people can't sit still. They're tapping, they're like this. There's all this stuff. That's a sign of stress. The other one that we're starting to see and people are more mindful of is they, they get tearful or crying. The problem with that is that if you start to cry, people panic and all of a sudden you're not stressed. Guess what you are? Bloody depressed. No, no, you might not be depressed. You might just be stressed and you're not dealing with it, okay? I'm, and I'm always mindful of that because you would be surprised, and I, I might have mentioned this last week, you would be surprised how many people come into my office crying but afraid to show that they're, they're sad or crying because they don't want people to think they're crazy. When did, when did crying become crazy? 
we just don't allow people the space to show their vulnerability or their sadness and give them the space to come out of it on their own all right now in terms of physical symptoms of course i'm going to give you the physical symptoms this is what you may experience shallow breathing or hyperventilating some people tell me it's a panic attack and often is it's a sign of stress a panic attack is a sign of stress you can have muscle tension so you will if you're aware of your body you will know where you hold tension not everyone holds tension in the same place often you'll get the the um you know the the normal culprit oh my neck is sore or my head is sore but you know a lot of people hold it in their jaw and they don't realize that they're clenching jaws at night they are but jaw clenching and jaw grinding can cause headaches so often it's not the headache it's the the headache is the result of something else now when you start to get you know when you've been in chronic stress for a long time these are the physical symptoms that start to come but what i'm saying to you is before those symptoms come you've got other things that are telltale signs so some of the stuff i'm going to read out to you now is the problem with giving only the, the physical symptoms because some of them are pretty bloody severe and people start to look at this and they guess what panic and they start to get stressed I'm asking you to look at what's happening inside before it starts happening outside, okay? So you can end up with blurry eyesight. It'll be things like um, sore eyes. That is mostly coming probably from the tired eyes, but they can start to get blurry. People panic with that. You get problems getting to sleep, staying asleep, or waking up with nightmares. Um, people will lose interest in sex or being unable to enjoy sex. Libido, loss of libido can often be contributed to stress hugely. Um, you'll be tired all the time and that's because the physical um, symptoms of an overwhelmed mind is tired because it just doesn't stop and it doesn't get that rest and restore that we talked about last week. I just mentioned this one, the grinding your teeth or clenching your jaw, headaches, chest pains. Now, I've actually had a client recently who presented at the hospital thinking they were having a heart attack. It wasn't, it was, it was stress, it was anxiety. It will feel like there is a heaviness. It can even feel like there is a sharpness. Most of it is related to stress. I'm not saying disregard any of those symptoms, but look beyond just it must be a heart attack or what's the other one for the um i've got a headache it must be a tumor it's like it's it's not it's most likely stress but we go to the absolute worst case scenario before we start looking at it some of the other things indigestion and heartburn which can relate to the chest pains high blood pressure which everyone is aware of but you know by the time you get high blood pressure you've got a bloody health problem and then you've got to actually then deal with that and guess what you can medicate that but you're still left with the stress if you don't look at it um, constipation or diarrhea it's going to depend on which way you sit and you know neither of them is ideal but they can both cause they are both a result of stress feeling sick dizzy or faint okay so why do certain things make us feel stressed? 
Another question people sometimes don't want to ask because we all know what stress is caused by everyday things. Sometimes we all have the same things go on and because we feel embarrassed about not coping with something, we just suck it up and say, no, 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 this is not the worst thing to happen. But the reality, the amount of stress you feel in different situations depends on many factors. And one of the biggest, your perception of the situation. So this might be connected to your past experiences, your self-esteem, uh, your self-esteem, and how you thought, how your thought processes work. For example, if you tend to interpret things positively or negatively, now that's actually a bit of nature nurture nowadays. They're telling us that, and science tells us that people are born either more prone to positivity, which is optimistic, or more prone to pessim uh, pessimism, which can be negativity. That is perception. So the way you view a situation is the way you will interpret it with stress, which is why every situation is different. One of the other things that can depend on how is one of the factors is how you how experienced you are at dealing with pressure. Because not everyone has to deal with pressure at the same point. And so when you don't deal with pressure, you don't learn how to deal with pressure. That's the emotional resilience. And so we're finding now when we've got a whole generation of parents who bring me children or teens going, they've got no resilience. And a part of that is because they have not been exposed to particular types of pressure. What builds emotional resilience is exposure to pressure and learning how to deal with it. All right. So the other thing that can um, that contribute is the amount of other pressures on you at the time. All right. So you can have a whole stack of people and they can all be given the same pressure and they all deal with that pressure, but someone else gets another one and all of a sudden they don't deal with what they were dealing with because there's added, added pressure. When I get somebody and look at well-being, I look at what's going on around this person because for me, it's all in context and that's what you don't take in for your own consideration. You don't look at the context. You just assume this, I'm not going to, someone else is doing it worse or the opposite, I'm the only one this is happening to. The last thing is the amount of support you are receiving. So if you've got support networks that are healthy and, um, you know, supportive, then the pressures are going to be dealt with differently. You will deal with them differently. If all your support networks start to implode, your ability to handle stress becomes compromised. Okay? Now, we're all different. So a situation that doesn't bother you at all might cause somebody else a lot of stress and vice versa. And this is why it's always important to ask the silly questions and repeat to yourself, there are no silly questions. Honestly, I get, I get stressed when things get out of perspective. That's one of my stress points. And I tend to think too far ahead. It completely stresses me out and I literally get stuck and freeze. Most people don't notice that about me, but I've learned to recognize when I'm doing it and push through it with crazy statements in my head, like back that truck up and put one foot in front of the other. That's literally what goes in my, on in my head all of the time. The difference with the voice, uh, the noise and the voice in my head is that I've learned to make these statements 
helpful, not hindering. I don't go, listen, you're a stupid bitch. You're being, uh, you can do this. And blah. I don't berate myself. I just go, oh, hang on. You've gone too far. Back that truck up and just put one foot in front of the other. Can you notice the difference? One can be name calling. One just says a statement that works for me. Stop, back up the truck. That's one of the things that I need to say to move back into this space of, of present and reality because I tend to go too far and make it crazy in there and I, and I don't like it. And what I used to do, um, well, I used like someone like me, it's impossible to do, no, hang on. When you learn to make statements like that, make them helpful and not hindering and because the reality is it's impossible to do that shit on your own without help. You might need to have somebody like me or working with somebody with statements like that to help you figure out what they are because it's impossible when you're in it to, to take a look. So sometimes I take a minute to reply to my stressy thoughts. It's hard to be stressed when you've got things in perspective. Replying to your thoughts puts them into perspective. Often I get people coming in and they want an answer. Why do I do this? And if you've worked with me privately, what you'll know is that I go, well, I don't know. Why do you think that would be? And you answer your own question. By doing that, you basically give yourself perspective on the situation because I don't know the answer for you. I just help you calm enough to go, well, let's have a look. What's the answer? What do you think the answer would be? And, and you answer it and then you answer your own stuff, which is great because you give yourself perspective. Now, there are a ton of situations that cause stress. And you know what? I'm not going to write them here simply because if you are stressed about something and it's not on the list, then I'm contributing to your feeling of not feeling valid to be stressed. What I will mention, however, are a few of the culprits that can cause people to feel like they don't deserve to be stressed. And these are classic because they fall into, can happy events cause stress? And no surprises here, I would imagine that you are now realizing that the answer is yes. So here's a few of those little culprits. Pregnancy and becoming a parent can cause stress. Organising a complicated event like a group holiday or a wedding, getting married, uh, retiring, starting a new job or moving into a new house. Some of these or most of those situations are often thought of as happy events. So, for example, you might feel really happy and excited to be getting married or having a baby. But because they bring big changes or make unusual demands on you, they can still be very, very stressful. And this can be particularly difficult to deal with because you might feel there's additional pressure on you to be positive. I've had a client recently tell me that she'd never been more stressed in her life than the six months leading up to her wedding because everyone kept asking her if she was happy and, and they were expecting her to be excited all of the time, but she just couldn't feel it. And in the end, she got really unwell. This is particularly pertinent at the moment because weddings have been cancelled in some places and here our border restrictions mean that whilst the wedding can be held, there are some major family players that are missing out and it's really causing stress. 
and long term because people have been waiting to see what happens. Well, welcome to the land of limbo, the worst place to be and the breeding ground for stress, which is why we have a problem with COVID at the moment. We're still in limbo. So what can you do? Well, there are different ways to cope with being under pressure and I'm going to give some tips that people will have told me they find useful. But it's important to remember that different things work for different people. So only try what you feel comfortable with, all right? First one, identify your triggers. It's working out what triggers your stress and, you know, be aware of them. This is what I'm saying. If you, have a, if you get stressed because you're late, put some time management in place and think of ways to, to do that with your triggers. Even if you can't avoid the situations, being prepared helps. Take some time to reflect on events and feelings that could be contributing to your stress. So you can consider things like issues that come up regularly. Um, like if you worry about paying bills, you know, really get all those bills and really sit down and look and put them into um, a process because it's processes that can help us feel more in control. Two, and I've hinted at this one tonight, organise your time. Make some adjustments to the way you organise your time. Somebody recently said to me, we all have a crystal ball. And I went, what are you talking about? I always talking to people saying that, you know, one of the statements I say to people, well, we've all got a rear view bloody mirror, but no one's got a crystal fucking ball. But apparently we do. And what she said to me was that we all have access to a crystal ball and it's our calendar. I went, what? She said, well, when we put things, we put things into our calendar, we create the momentum to drive towards them. That is like a crystal ball in a way. So when we are able to direct our time, we are able to organise our time and that can reduce stress. All right. Um, what was I going to do here? Hang on. Where is it? I've made it. Uh, okay. So to do that, you want to, well, this was a bit of the time thing. So look at identifying your best, the best time of day for you. Make, make a list of what you have to do. Look, you guys know all that. There's bits and pieces in there that you can work with. If you want me to write the list for you, I can. But it's not about that sort of a list. We all know how to manage time. It's about looking at what stops me from doing the time. And often it'll be fear. So push through that and go, you know what? I'm going to do this. Use it. Use your calendar as your crystal ball. Now, you want to be able to ask for help. That's one of the big things that you can look at in um, what you can do to cope with pressure. It's the one thing. Go back if you haven't already. Go back to support networks, the video on support networks. Use them. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, have a look at the guilt series and look in there because we don't use them. But if we are able to get support, then we are able to relieve some of our stress. One of the little tips I've got in here is address some of the courses, but accept the things you cannot change. It's not easy, but accepting that there are some things happening to you that you probably can't do anything about will help it help focus your time on energy on what you can change at the moment. All right. And my favorite old chestnut, we all know, self-care. So it's well-being. Now, this is resilience. This is the golden nectar we all want. 
Here we call it developing emotional resilience. Resilience is not just your ability to bounce back, but also your capacity to adapt in the face of challenging circumstances while maintaining a stable mental well-being. Resilience isn't a personality trait, meaning you aren't born with it. You can build it. It's a skill. And we all know that a skill is learnable. Um, now, I know I'm running over a little bit, but what I wanted to do was give you one last set of tips because these ones aren't actually for you personally. Well, sort of. At the moment, what's causing some people's stress is other people's stress. So the important people to them. And so if you relate to that and you've got people in your life that you can see that are stressed, then you want to be able to help them, then I'm going to give you a couple of tips, okay? Help them reflect on where they are, whether they are stressed. Often people don't notice some of the physical symptoms and behaviours, so you can point that out. You cannot fix their problems, but you can point it out, all right? Let them know that they might be feeling stressed if they're talking in certain, not really um, quick voices can be a big thing. Send them to their GP. Listen to how they're feeling. So have a chance to talk openly with somebody to help them feel calmer. Um, and, you know, check in with their support, get them to check in with their support networks. Someone said to me, the best thing that my friends can do is just make me a cup of tea and hold me while I cry or, ma or make me laugh. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's all people need. Reassure them that stressful situations can pass. And that's really important right now. This won't last forever. Um, we just need to get help people understand that it's a space in time and we can get through it. Okay? Biggest thing, get them to seek professional help. And it's really important because if you are stressed seeing them stressed, then helping them gain support should alleviate stress for both of you. If you become stressed, dealing with their stress, then you are trying to fix them and that will not work. Send them to who you can. Refer them to this group even if you want to. Give them my number. Or simply refer them to their GP is a really great start. Love your work. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye.